Your story. It lives in River City. Where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel. Where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another. Where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha. Told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment. Today we are reacting to the storylines that came out of Denver Broncos rookie minicamp over the weekend. What did we learn? We're going to break it down. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast, presented by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I am your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my co-host, We've been together now a few weeks. We've been absolutely killing it. He is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, of course, we're tracking this on Monday night, but what a crazy news day Monday was. What's good, bro? Doing well, man. It was a crazy news day for a nondescript Monday. A lot to talk about, a lot to get into. And we're going to dive all the way into it today, a true deep dive. But first, make sure you guys are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. And take some time to leave a creative review wherever you listen to the show, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, YouTube, I don't care where it is. Just take some time, rate, leave a creative review. It really helps us in terms of growing the show. And also, one last piece of business before we dive into it, we want to say thank you to our sponsor of today's show, Audible. You guys go out and get yourselves a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash huddle up. You get over 180,000 different titles to choose from, whether you're on an iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash huddle up. Patronize our sponsors. We really appreciate it. It's another phenomenal way to support the show. And as somebody who uses this app, Audible, on a daily basis, you give it a try. You have my word. You're going to love it. All right, so... The Denver Broncos held their rookie minicamp over the weekend, which really gave us our first chance to see these guys in the orange and blue out on the grass. And, you know, it was mostly individual drills with a little bit of team period worked in, but it was pretty much all walkthrough, mostly installing, mostly teaching. And that's about what you'd expect from a a group of rookies, you know, first-timers hitting the, the grass for the first time as pros. It's a learning experience. It's an opportunity for the coaching staff to begin the the teaching process. And some people will tell you, I'm curious about your perspective on this, Zach. Some people will tell you that, you know, it's pointless to try and analyze these mini camps and that nothing meaningful comes from OTAs. And while it's certainly true that, you know, they're not as as important or, or momentous as training camp, for example, there's absolutely a reason 
why teams hold these off-season training activities. You know, they're, they're a piece to the puzzle. Look at it that way, that we're all trying to put in place. And there are some takeaways, some talking points to get to from rookie, uh, rookie minicamp. But what are your thoughts on that? Do you subscribe to that notion that we might as well just stop paying attention until training camp hits? No, I don't think you can take everything out of rookie minicamps, but they're not worth nothing either. To see those rookies on the field for the first time, it's mostly nostalgic. It's a good sense of team. It's a good sense of team building to seeing all your guys together on the field. You saw Bradley Chubb in individual drills. You saw even second-year guys come out and work that didn't play last year, like Jake Butt, like Chad Kelly, who we'll get into in just one second. You can take a little bit out of it. You can't read too much into it, but it was good seeing the Broncos on the field. Uh, you know, the coaches coaching up the rookies and seeing how they all come together as a draft class. And I think uh, uh, they passed so far with what you can take out of this this uh, three-day rookie orientation. Yeah, I mean, you know, for those of us who are true football addicts that follow the NFL, and Zach and I, of course, cover the NFL, but but really it's it's we're, we're addicted to this game of football. We follow it around the clock, 365 days a year. I mean, we we live for this stuff. And Agreed. It's not necessarily, you know, world changing stuff, but it is a piece to the puzzle. And that's one of the reasons why I savor this time of year. But uh, getting into some of the news that came out of rookie minicamp, we have our first casualty, undrafted rookie nose tackle from Utah, Lowell Lotalale, who we talked about, if it wasn't last week, it was the week before, has called it a career. Just three days, basically, uh, practice days anyway, into his pro Life. The Broncos, of course, held minicamp from the 11th through the 13th, at which point Lotolale promptly hung up his cleats. Now, his heart or passion for football, whatever you want to call it, was really the only thing that kept him from getting drafted. And it turns out that those critics, those doubts uh, were right. However, Zach, there's something telling me that um, experiencing the intensity of Bill Kalar firsthand might have had a little something to do with the timing of, of Lotalale's decision to retire from football, and, and apparently he's going to focus on coaching. It's sad, you know, because the knock on him was, yeah, his commitment to the game was being challenged by scouts in the pre-draft process. But this is a guy who had a pretty high upside for his position. He was powerful. He was a space eater at over 315 pounds. He was decently athletic for the position. He had that pedigree of former Panther star and current Bills defensive tackle star, Latula So uh, it is disappointing that he decided to hang up his cleats, but sometimes those scouts get things correct in that pre-draft process. And they nailed this one with his commitment to the game. And uh, more power to him. The Broncos gave him a, a pretty hefty signing bonus, $15,000, which they right. could recoup if they want. Uh, but maybe put the money in the bank and he's working on his next <laughs> chapter of his career now, and that's coaching. Yeah. Well, it's like we talked about uh, on on that episode. But I talked to a, a guy who knows him personally that, that said, yeah, I mean, he's got all the talent in the world just like his big brother star, but what separates them – are their passion for the game. And this is definitely something that we've seen in just a brief time come out in the wash. But I'll tell you what, we heard when Bill Kalar first came to Denver in 2015, and of course, you know, he was one of the key factors in, everyone wants to credit Wade Phillips and, and you know, justifiably so. He was the, the brainchild behind that phenomenal 2015 defense. But one of the key components to that turnaround was Bill Kalar coming over from Houston because he is widely considered to be the best defensive line coach in the NFL. He's been in the NFL for decades, also as a former player. But that first year, I don't know if you guys remember this, but guys like Malik Jackson, Derek Wolf, especially, they'd get asked about their experience thus far. How is it working with Kalar? Da 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 publicly. 
And they would say, yeah, it takes a little getting used to. If you're not 100% committed to your craft and you're not approaching this as a, as a professional and giving it 100%, you're going to clash with mm-hmm. Bill Kalar. And again, that's where it comes in for uh, Lota Lale. That's, that's something tells me that that might have had a little something to do with it. But the flip side to that, Zach, is that's probably one of the reasons why the Broncos wanted to go out and get this kid because they thought if anyone can turn him around and motivate him, it would be Bill Kalar. For a guy who was questioning his commitment to the game, the last thing he needed was a guy like Bill Kalar, who's full of spit and vinegar. For anyone who watched the Senior Bowl practices in January, he was mic'd up and constantly cursing, screaming, yelling at players. He's a guy who pushes you to your limits. He doesn't take any BS at all, and that's not what a guy like uh, who's questioning his commitment to the game needed. He needed someone to coddle him, and Kalar is the antithesis of that. So uh, it, is, it works out the way it works out, I guess. Yeah, he's definitely a guy. Anytime, if, if you've ever attended any of the Broncos training camps or practices, you hear his voice cut through. I mean, it could probably oh, yeah. cut through still the cursing like, <laughs> like a sailor. There's no doubt about that. But the, uh, on the flip side, though, it's uh, good news for some defensive tackles on the roster. The Broncos still need a backup or a successor to Domata Pecco. They have Paul Boyette. They have Deshaun Williams. And Williams is an intriguing name because he's familiar with Vance Joseph from their time in Cincinnati. Hmm. The only other defensive tackle on the roster other than them behind Pecco is his co- uh, cousin Kyle. Right. They need to develop a long-term guy for that position and maybe this gives an opportunity to Boyette and Williams with uh, Lotelele out of the uh, picture now. There you go. There's the silver lining you guys. Now another thing that came out of minicamp over the weekend was Jake Butt. He's one of the storylines that we got to kind of sink our teeth into over the weekend as a second year player in his first year of participation but was eligible to you know participate in rookie camp as was Chad Kelly who we'll talk about here in just a minute but first I want to talk about Jake but he looked good and according to him he feels really good here's what he said real quick oh yeah I think it's probably the best I felt in my career you know getting a whole year under my belt with uh, you know professional strength coaches you know really focusing on my rehab mobility strength speed all that good stuff so Uh, I'm pretty confident saying this is the best I've ever felt in my career. Now, Zach, the Broncos held off, obviously, on signing a veteran tight end in large part due to their belief in Jake Butt. Now, there's a chance they could swoop one up later as we get into camp and they start seeing how things are going to, you know, settle at the position. But at this point, it's clear that the Broncos have pinned some, some major hopes on Jake Butt. And you can see why. I mean, he is the quintessential wide tight end. He can catch, he can block. But would you agree with this statement, Zach? In order for the Broncos offense to take that leap forward that we we need to see from them in order to get back into a competitive uh, frame, under Case Keenum, do you agree that Jake Butt almost has to be this team's star breakout player in 2018? I think he does. And one thing about Butt is that if he didn't tear his knee up last year, he would have been maybe a second, third round draft pick. He was a steal in the fifth round. This is a guy who's an all around tight end. He can catch very well in the middle of the field. Now that he's bulked up a little bit, he can block at the point of attack. I'm a big fan of Jake Butt. And I agree with that the Broncos shouldn't have signed a veteran to take more reps away from him like you saw last year, or they've done in recent years with Virgil Green and Jeff Hireman. Um, They do need a guy in the middle of the field for Casey. Keenum. They need that security blanket. 
They have Demarius Thomas. They have Emmanuel Sanders. They have a couple intriguing rookie receivers, but they need that big body, sure-handed tight end who can get open in the middle of the field, do some damage. And I think that really could be Jake Butt. And I think now that he's uh, fully healthy, he's getting back in the offensive rhythm. He's now working with Bill Musgrave for two years in a row or mostly two years in a row. I think he right. will break out. And I think that will benefit Case Keenum. And the more weapons, the better. You can't have too many weapons on offense. That's right. And he's a guy, Jake Butt, who has been compared, you know, as far as his pro comparisons to the great Jason Witten, who just hung up his cleats. And as a contemporary player, Kyle, or uh, Zach, what's his name? Rudolph. Uh, what's his name? I just Kyle, the... Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph. There we go. In Minnesota. So if you could get that level of production or even close to that from Jake Butt in 2018, you could see this offense really take a, a step forward. And if you turn on his film and watch some of what he did at Michigan, I mean, he's a guy that goes up and gets the ball. He understands how to get open. He understands how to find those soft spots in the zone. Very smart, very heady player at the position. And really, the Broncos haven't had that kind of stud at the position. I wouldn't even consider, I wouldn't even say since Julius Thomas, because as good as Julius Thomas was for those two years, you almost have to put a little asterisk next to his uh, back-to-back years of 12 touchdowns and Pro Bowls because of Peyton Manning. Absolutely. That was all Peyton, all that production. And he spun it into a big contract, so hats off to him. We did, Yeah, absolutely. And we saw how that ended up turning out for both uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Miami Dolphins. So it's exciting to see this progress from Jake. But, of course, you know, he looks good out there on the grass, but we won't really know exactly how he's doing until he takes that first hit. And I think once he gets that first hit under his belt, that confidence is you're going to see that skyrocket even more. But we can't expect to see that until August football. But anyway, we finally also got to see a little bit of Chad Kelly in action this past weekend as well. And it's been a long time since this kid played any meaningful football. And you can tell, Zach, the novelty of football, his, his you know, the scarcity of it has created a deeper appreciation from, from Chad Kelly. He's gotten his body right, and he seems humble. He seems grateful for his opportunity. But the flip side to that coin is that he recognizes the enormous opportunity that's in front of him. And you can believe that he's not going to take it for granted like a certain uh, giraffe quarterback from Memphis, Paxton Lynch. You know, he, he better be ready because Chad Kelly's coming and he's coming into training camp, guns hot. But real quick, it was really interesting. We had a story about this uh, on the website over the weekend. Jake Butt had to say something about Chad Kelly that raised some eyebrows. Here's what he said real quick. He can rip that thing now. Yeah, you got to... Definitely got to wear gloves. He'll, he'll be spinning that bad boy pretty tough. Uh, you know, he's learning the offense. He's taking leadership. He's doing a great job. I wrote about this a couple of times uh, between Thursday and Sunday, Zach, but as the only quarterback at rookie minicamp, do you see those extra reps for Chad Kelly as anything other than a, an advantage in his coming competition with, with Paxton? It's only an advantage for him. This is a guy who missed his entire rookie season coming off two surgeries. He practiced, what, twice before he went on IR for good last year. He needs the reps. He needs the practice any way he can get it, even though he was throwing to a bunch of rookies and, uh, you know, bottom of the roster type players or doing individual drills even. It, it is an advantage for him. He is competing with Paxton Lynch. But the, the more he gets healthy, the more he gets comfortable in this offense, the more he has an advantage for that backup quarterback spot behind Case Keenum. And I think he has more upside than Paxton Lynch. And I think uh, 
he'll show that the more he gets comfortable. But yeah, in this uh, this rookie mini camp, it is an advantage for him, and it was exciting to see him on the field slinging the ball, looking 100. percent And also very slimmed down. He changed his diet. Right. He went from eating fried foods to spinach, and you can see it on his in his definition on his mm-hmm. body. He looks good. He, he's throwing well. He has good mobility in that knee. So all signs are positive for Chad Kelly. Absolutely, and we also got a chance to hear directly from Chad on Saturday, which might be the first time ever that Broncos PR has made him available to the media. He actually was asked directly about John Elway's public comments where, you know, a little while back where Elway said that Kelly would compete with Paxton Lynch officially for the backup quarterback job. Here is how Kelly interpreted John Elway's remarks. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I thought of it as, okay, perfect, I can get more reps, and that, and that's what it's about. Being consistent in what you do, um, being athletic in what you do, and going out there and competing, whether it's in individual drills, um, it's in a team activity. So um, I just look at it as another opportunity to get better each and every day and each and every rep. More reps, Zach. I mean, this is a, a type A personality with the skill set to match, and I have a feeling, I mean, this is something I've been talking about even before we ever got a chance to see him out on the grass, see his new physique. I have a feeling that he's going to take training camp by storm. Fully agree with you. This is the type of attitude and intensity and swagger that you want to see in Paxton Lynch. You don't want to see a passive quarterback. That's one thing about Trevor Simeon that was the big knock on him was that he was too much of a company man. You want a guy who's going to be kind of a D-bag, kind of rub some people the wrong way a little bit and and really get the offense on his shoulders. And I think uh, Swag Kelly has the the reputation to do that. And um, he is going to be at the star training camp. The backup QB is always the most popular player on the team, as the old adage goes. And I think Chad Kelly will be one of the stars this summer you got your alphas and you got your betas right and in this case i think i agree with you that trevor simeon clearly distinguished himself as a beta kind of along for the ride type guy paxton lynch similar similar uh personality only the one difference i would say is that at least trevor simeon approached life as a pro seriously as far as being the first guy there you know the film study taking it home with him That's one thing we haven't yet really seen from Paxton Lynch is him attacking this and approaching this as a professional because he does have the skill set. You look at the raw tools and talent from Paxton Lynch, there's a lot to love and get excited about. You can see why, you know, from a tools perspective, the Broncos fell in love with him enough to trade up and get him in the first round two years ago. But I think if they made any mistake, and you can kind of see how they've learned from that and the type of people they drafted in this past draft, they learned that it's what they possess between the ears, Zach, is, is almost just as important as their physical, their tangible talents. I think it's just as important because you can't teach smarts. You can't teach intelligence. The only thing about Paxton Lynch, the only thing he's shown in two years is that he can dab really well. That's about it. <laughs> he doesn't have it. I, I just don't think he has it between the ears, and you can't teach that. He has a good arm. He has a good frame. He has plus mobility. But if you can't get it down in two years, you can't beat out a seventh-round pick, even as a raw developmental quarterback – what faith should the fan base have in you? What faith should the coaching staff have in you to think you can be even a backup quarterback in this league? So uh, I don't I don't see it with Paxson, but we'll have to see how it plays out over the course of the next couple months. That's right. The story has not been written. The book has not quite been closed. He still has an opportunity. And we have a lot to get to still left. But before we do, let us holler at you really quick 
about why you need to become a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber. Listen, our approach to covering the Broncos is not just about reporting the news, although we pride ourselves on being able to relate to you all the breaking news on the Broncos as it's happening in real time, just like we did on Monday. What we like to focus on is breaking down the Broncos in depth, whether it's all 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dive player evaluation, and now coming out of the draft, we're analyzing this 2018 class, just like Carl Dummel published a phenomenal piece on Monday, breaking down Cortland Sutton and addressing some of the reasons why he dropped out of the first round and into Denver's lap in round two. Now, we save our best and most in-depth content for our VIP subscribers, our premium members. Now, to become a Mile High Huddle VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis and our VIP insider forums, just click on the green banner at the top of the site, click the monthly or annual option, it's up to you, and you'll be locked in. From there, you get access to everything we produce, which includes any insider info we pick up along the way. Now, listen, we work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the web. We ask for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber, so pull the trigger You have our word. You will not be disappointed. All right, now, I'll tell you what. Another exciting development coming out of minicamp, watching Bradley Chubb, even in individual drills, for a man of his size, 270 pounds, I mean, he's got some twitch. He's got some explosion to him. And I mean, you could see that in his film, but just seeing him out on on the grass in the orange and blue, his punch, his hands, so powerful. And seeing him next to a guy like Jeff Holland, who... You know, it's not like he was chopped liver. This was a number one pass rusher at Auburn in the SEC. It's clear that he's simply not cut from the same cloth, Bradley Chubb. You're never going to mistake Bradley Chubb for for Jeff Holland is what I'm getting (laughs) at. And that's not a shot against Holland. I mean, that's just to say that Bradley Chubb is as advertised. And I'm a little giddy, Zach, at the thought of he and Von Miller just wrecking offensive game plans moving forward. I mean, teams are truly going to have to pick their poison because you can't double-team them both. It goes back to our first topic tonight, which was what can you take out of rookie minicamp? And I watched him in drills and going through the bags and all that, and he really has that explosion that you like to see out of a potential franchise pass rusher. He was as advertised. You can't make any determinations from a one-day practice that was mostly a walkthrough. But he even started snatching towels. That was his thing in college, was snatching quarterbacks' towels. He won an award at practice. I forgot the exact award, but he won an award for snatching a towel. Capture he just, the flag. Capture, capture the, flag. the flag. That's what it was. And it was everything that you want to see from him so far out of one rookie minicamp practice. But he was as advertised so far. And it really is pick your poison because you have Von Miller. You have Bradley Chubb. You have Shane Ray for one more year. You have Shaq Barrett for one more year. You also have interior pass rush now with Derek Wolf fully healthy, hopefully. You have uh, Demarcus Walker moving back to his natural spot. You have Shelby Harris. You have Adam Gotsis, hopefully. That's a lot of pass rushers on the field together, and NFL offenses cannot block everyone. The Broncos sack totals are going to skyrocket in 2018. You know what? It's really encouraging. You can start to see kind of the vision that the Broncos have and how giddy they were when Bradley Chubb slipped all the way down to number five because you think back to the pinnacle of this defense in the Von Miller era back in 2015 where you had him and DeMarcus Ware firing on all cylinders and then you know you come you the phenomenal rotation of Shane Ray and, and Shaq Barrett coming in to spell those guys I mean it was it was almost unstoppable and you see since that point with DeMarcus Ware in 2016, really only playing about half the season because of injury. You start seeing Vaughn's sack numbers kind of drift a little bit. And the reason why, and you see this from some Broncos fans, in fact, 
Zach, you have a, I think it's pinned on your Twitter to something to to some of the effect, you know, doubters of Von Miller. I mean, you got to remember that when an a, a offensive coordinator, an opposing offensive coordinator, sits down to game plan against the Denver Broncos, their entire plan is based around neutralizing as best they can Von Miller, and sometimes that means double teams, sometimes that means triple teams, you know, sending a, a running back out into a pattern but chipping him before they go. Anything they can do to slow down Von Miller now offensive coordinators they don't necessarily have that luxury or if they choose to do something like that they better be confident in their left tackle because Bradley Chubb is a guy who can win his one-on-one matchups what does it say that the Broncos had an injured Shane Ray last year Shaquille Barrett coming off an injury Von Miller getting doubled and triple teamed and shipped at the line and he still had 10 sacks now you know, you can't rely on Shane Ray as a starter, but he's a great backup to have yes. coming into spelling one of those two pass rushers. And John Elway said after he ran his draft card up to the podium to Roger Goodell to draft Bradley Chubb, you can never have too many pass rushers. To your point, he loved having DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller and all in Shane Ray and Barrett in 2015. That's what helped them win a championship. And he's following in that formula now. And also very smart. It gave him leverage against Shane Ray not to mm. pick up his fifth year option. Uh, it was very smart on his on his end, and uh, it just worked out in many different areas. But there's no negative you can spin from the selection of Bradley Chubb. It's just a perfect pick for a, a team still predicated on defense, and they have Von Miller, the best pass rusher on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. You put Bradley Chubb in there, the best defensive prospect, the best overall prospect, arguably in the draft. Uh, it's going to be uh, uh, the sack totals are going to be astronomical this year. That's right. They had 52 in 2015, led the league. Then they went to 44 the next year, 2016. Last year, I think, if I'm remembering off the top of my head, they slipped to 33 sacks. I don't think yeah. it's it's saying too much to to put the, the, the goal somewhere in the high 40s, low 50s. I think it's attainable this time because, as you mentioned, the interior push is going to come this time around as well. Plus, we haven't even mentioned Clinton McDonald coming over here. Yeah. Sure. He, he's a guy that can give you five and a half, six sacks from inside, just like Malik Jackson. He might not be quite the run defender, and he's getting up there a little bit in age, but look for him to make a, an impact this year as a free agent acquisition. I wanted to ask you about this, too. It's not officially on our show notes, Zach, but it just occurred to me if you saw Shane Ray's Instagram post where really it was our first chance to see him kind of address publicly yep. – Denver's decision not to pick up his fifth-year option. Clearly, if if anyone's had an opportunity to see that, uh, this is a, a guy who recognized that decision for what it was, which means that, look, you're gone probably after this year. Well, you can't ignore it. The, the Broncos didn't pick up his fifth-year option, so he will be a free agent. But it's good for both sides here. The Broncos get a, a pretty good pass rusher for one more year at a very cheap rate, and Shane Ray gets to audition for 31 other teams to show that he can cash in next offseason. He can be a starting outside linebacker. So I did see that, and uh, I'm not surprised that he addressed it that way. He's very confident in himself. He still thinks highly of himself. Maybe that wrist injury was a— uh, an aberration. Maybe it was just a fluke thing. We'll have to see what happens, but I think it's good for both sides going into this year. Broncos fans, ask yourself this. Did you really ever see a guy who has an actual Kansas City Chiefs arrowhead <laughs> tattooed to his shoulder really sticking long-term in Denver? I mean, the football gods simply did not ordain that particular pairing. But anyway, moving on here, one of the questions that's facing the Broncos roster in 2018 
is who is going to be the punt returner? I mean, kick return duties, as we've seen over the years, uh, for better or for worse, can be pretty much handled by almost anyone with some athleticism and some vision. Punt returner, however, is where the rubber meets the road. Real decisions come into play there when it comes to choosing who that's going to be. Head coach Vance Joseph addressed it over the weekend as it relates to some of the new contenders coming in from this rookie class. Here's what he said. Yeah, we've got we've got a couple guys. Uh, you know, obviously Lindsey's here to be a returner and a halfback for us. Uh, River Craycraft's been catching balls. Hamilton's catching balls also. You know, that's going to be obviously open competition for us. Um, you know, Isaiah's still here. We'll get Jordan back probably about mid camp. So we've got about four or five candidates to be a punt returner. That's a huge job for us, obviously. Now, reading between some of the lines here, what Coach Joseph's saying, Philip Lindsey, the way I see this. His surest path to the roster, I mean, he's he's a very talented running back, diminutive though he might be, but his surest path to the roster is going to be on special teams. If he can beat out fellow rookie Deshaun Hamilton and the incumbents in Isaiah McKenzie and Jordan Taylor, it would guarantee him, Philip Lindsay, a place on the 53. And then from there, Zach, he could just bide his time until an opportunity arises on offense. How do you see the competition, though, shaping up at punt returner? Well, you had McKenzie last year, but he had six muff punts, six muff punts in his uh, limited action last year, or at least, you know, as a as a part time player. Um, he's from reading between Joseph's comments. It doesn't seem like McKenzie's the, the the lead guy there now. He's not the incumbent anymore. Jordan Taylor finished last year as a punt returner, but he had hip surgery this offseason. He's out until some point in training camp. So it will come down to Lindsay versus Hamilton. Hamilton is guaranteed a roster spot for sure. He's not going anywhere. But Lindsey, like you said, if the Broncos, they don't want to keep another running back, if he wins that punt returner job, it assures his place on the 53. And he had over a 1,000 kick return yards at Colorado, so he has experience there. Mm -hmm. One thing about Hamilton was he had no experience on punt returns at Penn State. So if they want a special teams guy out of the choices they have— it is Philip Lindsay, and if they keep him on the roster, they have to keep at least four running backs with Booker, Henderson, Freeman, and Lindsay. They also have uh, David Williams in the mix. Also, they have Andy Genovich at fullback. So a lot of tough roster decisions to be made. But obviously, of course, if Lindsay wins that punt returner job, he is safe on the 53. Yeah, definitely one of the interesting competitions to keep an eye on as we inch closer to training camp now. Another piece of news that came out of the weekend, the Broncos are looking to fill a vacancy potentially, even if it's short-term, on their coaching staff. Mike Kliss reported that the Broncos have reached out to former NFL players about a consulting gig. So it sounds like, Zach, it would be a part-time gig. I know you you wrote about this. Why don't you? What are your thoughts on this whole deal? It would be a part-time gig. It's a consultant role for the Broncos defense to work with the pass rushers. It would be for upcoming organized team activities and also parts of training camp. One name that Broncos fans have called for and the Broncos have reached out to already is Demarcus Ware, who's retired and working as an analyst for NFL Network. Uh, that's one guy. Another guy that even though Cliss didn't report that could be you know, ca- connecting the dots you can make a claim for is Chad Brown, the former linebacker. That's another name to keep in mind. But it would be a part-time gig just a guy who can come in, impart his wisdom on the younger players. Where was the mentor to Von Miller? He helped Shane Ray, he helped Barrett, and now he can help out Bradley Chubb. It's a no-brainer decision to bring him back in the fold, even as a part-time coach. I think it would only help the Broncos' defense, and that's one of the guys they're looking for in that role. They didn't replace Coach Pug when they when they let him go at outside linebackers after the year. They wanted to hire a pass rush coach, and there's no better pass rush coach 
out there right now they can bring back than DeMarcus Ware. I cannot disagree. And I'll tell you this, and I wrote about this a couple weeks ago, but with some of the, the snafus we saw from this coaching staff last year, it would make me feel so much better, you know, about the development of Bradley Chubb. Not that I'm too worried. I mean, he's such a powerhouse and natural talent that you can't be too worried about it. But couched within what happened last year and the concerns around whether this coaching staff led by Vance Joseph really has their ducks in a row is what is the plan for this kid? What is Because what the Broncos have talked about publicly uh, as far as a plan for Bradley Chubb is not completely clear. He He's a a Sam linebacker, so that means he's going to be, according to Vance Joseph, technically in the same room as the the off-ball linebackers with Coach Reggie Herring, but sometimes he's going to be moved into the front room, the uh, the defensive line room, where he's going to you know work with the the front aspect with Bill Kolar, and then there's like a go-between guy, Coach Beaker, in between that's supposed to kind of you know tie the whole thing together, and it just sounds to me very convoluted, and I know that I would feel a lot better, and I'm sure a lot of Broncos fans as well, knowing that a guy like DeMarcus Ware, and if not DeMarcus Ware, if he's too tied up with NFL Network and you know his, his life, a guy like Chad Brown, who's a former NFL All-Pro, he's a guy who's been through the NFL's coaching clinic three different times, this is a guy that's itching to get into coaching that just quite hasn't uh, received that opportunity that he needs to get into the NFL as a coach, even though that wasn't necessarily his forte. He was more of an off-ball guy as a linebacker. He still in college was a phenomenal pass rusher when the situation called for it, and he could use his overall experience as a pro. I mean, you look at some of these guys that coach off uh, outside linebackers, they're not former all-pro players of any kind, a lot of them. Most of them are guys that maybe played a little high school ball, maybe some college ball, that are now teaching from a from an X's and O perspective and a technique perspective. You bring in a guy like Chad Brown who's got real experience on the gridiron, that could pay some huge dividends, and I know, speaking for myself, make me feel a lot more confident in the plan moving forward for Bradley Chubb. Either DeMarcus Ware or Chad Brown would be a home run hire by Vance Joseph. They'd be well-received by the fan base, by the players, by the current staff. They need a guy who has had success on this level and preferably with this team. And either either of those guys would be just a, a great pick. But to your point about convoluted coaching situations, one thing that Vance Joseph has done that I've noticed this year is he's really um, fine-tuned the coaching staff and really divvied up the responsibilities. They hired Greg Williams to coach cornerbacks when they have Marcus Robertson to coach safeties. They have Sean Kugler to coach uh uh, uh, interior offensive linemen, you know, guards and centers, right. and they have Chris Strausser as tackle coach. So I don't know if it's uh, just micromanaging or he wants just accountability at all times, but I don't really know what they're doing on the coaching staff, but I know that DeMarcus Ware or Chad Brown would be a great hire to coach up these pass rushers. Can't disagree, you know, and I want to give Vance Joseph the benefit of the doubt, and at the end of the day, I am. I mean, he is a, a professional head coach. John Elway saw something in him. Great interview whatever you might say he's here he's got the job so all we can do is hope that he knows what he's doing this time around and can get the most out of these guys including Bradley Chubb but we're almost out of time before we get out of here we got to peek inside the mile high mailbag because we are your football priests here to offer absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions and our first one comes from Jacob at JS mile high 9798 on Twitter his question Zach it's early very early but with Swag Kelly getting the leg up in the rookie minicamp, how do you see the competition for backup quarterback playing out? 
I'll give my prediction right now. I think Chad Kelly beats out Paxton Lynch for that number two spot. I don't think it'll be close. He comes from a pro-style system. He has the pedigree as a nephew of four, uh, NFL legend Jim Kelly. Uh, he has the this attitude. I think he has the arm strength. He has the intelligence. The only thing about him was his attitude and his injuries. He's over both those issues now. He looks great. I do think that Chad Kelly will beat out Paxton in a fair competition. That would give Case Keenum a good, uh, you know, a backup. Uh, he'd be a good mentor, you know, to uh, Chad Kelly. And also, it would write off Paxton Lynch as the bust that he is. He couldn't beat us a seventh round pick in Trevor Simeon, and now he's going to lose to another one in Chad Kelly. It's all you need to know about, about Paxton Lynch. But I do think he has a leg up, and I think he will take advantage of that in training camp. I've been one of those guys that's been pounding the table for Chad Kelly now for it seems like going on, well, at least a year now. And uh, I've kind of, Zach and I really, we, we are in the minority at, uh, at Mile High Huddle because a lot of the guys, you know, they're cautiously optimistic about Chad Kelly, but they don't necessarily see him as quite the uh, firebrand that we see him as. But let me tell you this, I agree with Zach that if I had to put money on it today, I would bet that Chad Kelly's the one that comes out on top. But let me let me throw a little caveat in there. And that is, if he is given an honest, a true open competition type of platform, because if the Broncos couch this thing, if they try to shield Paxton Lynch in terms of divvying up the reps in a way that is more advantageous to Paxton Lynch, that doesn't mean that Chad Kelly can't still beat him out, but it just creates another obstacle in which he has to shine brighter with fewer opportunities. And from what we've heard from the coaches up to this point and John Elway talking, it doesn't sound like it's going to be that kind of competition. It's going to be an open competition. But let me tell you, if he gets vanquished for the third year in a row by a seventh-round pick, the writing's on the wall. And what good would it do for the Broncos to even bother keeping him on the roster? Agree. I don't I don't think it, they're going to keep him around. They have no reason to if he loses to another seventh-round pick. He's going to just be written off as a bust. John Elway will have to swallow his pride. He made a mistake. And wash your hands of it. And there's nothing you could do about it. You swung for the fences and you struck out. It happens. Lesson learned. And we can see that, again, in how the Broncos approach the 2018 draft. They're clearly uh, – they've, they've changed their approach in terms of – the markers they're looking for in these guys, that what they have between the ears has to be commensurate with their physical talent, and that's exciting. Now, last question, and then we're going to get out of here, comes from Driscoll Jones on Twitter, at Jones Driscoll. The question, any word on the Gotsis case? Seems like he's taking, a, excuse me, seems like it's taking its course on what they're going to do about him. Now, just in case for anyone who is not aware of this, Adam Gotsis is uh, being investigated for strong-arm rape uh, in Georgia, which dates back many years to his time uh, playing at Georgia Tech. And the Broncos, because there hasn't officially been an indictment, are allowing the the process to play itself out, you know, the presumption of innocence, etc. So he's been able he's gonna come in, he's gonna be involved in all of the offseason activities. But if you see an indictment come down, you're gonna see the Broncos immediately move on from Adam Gotsis. But there haven't really been any developments up until this point, Zach. The Broncos are letting the legal situation play out as they should, and until proven otherwise, he's innocent. So they're going into the season with that mentality. He's still part of the roster. He's still locked into a starting spot. And until that changes, until he's indicted, as you said, or he's charged, whatever, that's not going to change. So right now, from what we know, he's still under investigation. The investigation remains ongoing. 
out of Atlanta where he played college football. And uh, nothing new on that situation yet. But if he's not available, if he's suspended or if he's charged, the Broncos even decides to move on from him, they have good depth on the roster for once at defensive end. They have Demarcus Walker, who came on late last season. They have Shelby Harris, who is probably the biggest star of 2017, you know, the biggest unheralded star. Right. And they have um, – Clint McDonald also, who they signed, who's a, a very talented and versatile defensive lineman who can play tackle and end. So they also have Zach Kerr. So they're pretty much set oh, that's right. that's on right. defensive line. If Even in a worst case, if Gatsas is cut or suspended, they have the horses to back him up. They should be fine in either situation. Or if he's in prison. But hey, listen up. <laughs> Here's the thing. You know, we live in the age of, of the Me Too movement. And while we you have to take uh, these these accusations with the utmost seriousness we also have to remember you guys that we live in the united states of america where the you're innocent until proven guilty so the broncos you know they've taken some guff from some in the fan base saying he was accused of this he's being investigated this why are you keeping this dirt bag on the roster why are you even allowing him to come to otas and participate in the training program why aren't you just cutting bait well look they made an investment in a guy who's extremely talented, who's put in two years in the NFL, and until he's proven guilty, they're going to approach this. They're going to keep their eye on the situation, and obviously they, they're recognizing it for the serious situation that it is, but they're going to make a final determination on that once more information comes to light on the case itself. In other words, if he gets indicted, it's probably curtains for Adam Gotsis in the NFL and with the Broncos, and if not, he's going to remain on the roster. Yep, that's that's about all we know so far. That's all we know. So, But that's it for today. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247, and myself, at Chad and Jensen. As always, if you have questions, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. We're always going to try to address them on the show. Best way to get a direct response from any of us is to go to the MHH Insiders Premium Message Board. But again, we're always going to try to engage with you, our listeners, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, you name it. Don't forget to join milehighhuddle.com as a VIP. You're going to love it. And make sure you're subscribing to the podcast, y'all. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. Mile High Huddle. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Wendy's new French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me, did you just say Wendy's new French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh Uh-huh. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours.